Hello and welcome to Let Them Eat Cake. My name is Jack. My co-hosts are John and Ace. Today we are interviewing Jake Hanrahan, best known as the founder of Popular Front. But before that, let's get into some underreported headlines. Last week I went over the status of a few democracies in Europe. So this week I figured I was going to do something of a similar style and talk about a few conflicts that some people are saying are going to happen in the near future. I mean, I'm no analyst, but I don't think any of these are going to happen, but one of them might. So these are places where you should keep an eye out. Obviously, first, everyone is looking at Niger right now with the coup. We say here all the time how these prisons just make um, these Islamist terrorists worse when they go into these prisons. So the president who was just disposed, he was freeing people from prison and doing like reform programs with them. And that's one of the main reasons the military was saying, this is why we're failing. You're letting them all back out. They're going back. And since then, the military has been killed a few times. I think just a few hours ago, 17 were killed in an ambush. And it's starting to undermine their reasons for overthrowing this president. And then uh, I believe the last news we heard, they're going forward with supporting sanctions. Well, it still looks what they want to do is just kind of flex their muscles and hope that these guys back down and uh, fully expect the coup government to stay in place. Um, at this point, they're just holding the ex-president hostage as a bargaining chip. So he's going to get released. They're probably going to stay in place. And um, it's all going to be fine. What's fucked up is like, I've been seeing like these same people got empowered by like the the NATO stance who got empowered from Iran or uh, Ukraine, right? They've been like all over this by saying like, ECOWAS should invade. They're right to invade. It's like, bro, they don't want to start a war with their neighbors. Like, do you understand how stupid that is? Like, why would you want to invade your neighbors and like kick violence up on your border when you already have it with like ISIS and Al Qaeda? So speaking about border violence, the M23 rebels in uh, Congo, this goes back to the Rwandan genocide. It's a very, very long story, but we cover it in our last episode with Modern Insurgent. What's really important here is that the UN is already stayed past what they said they would. So they're extended past the withdrawal date, the UN peacekeepers. And they're saying that they're going to take the withdrawal as slow as possible, but they need to leave by 2024. We'll see what happens there uh, because there's been a lot of accusations. Like uh, Congo basically directly accuses Rwanda of backing the M23 rebels. M23 rebels used to even be integrated into the Congolese military and they've fallen out again. And you can learn more about that in our episode. And then uh, on the border between Israel and Lebanon, um, some really interesting rhetoric going on here. The last war in 2006, right, Ace, 2006? 2006. 2006. That was in 2006. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I think this is some of the funniest shit talking that I've ever heard. Um, not from Israel. That's fucked up. So Israel told... Uh, uh, Israel threatened Hezbollah and said that they were going to bomb Lebanon back to the Stone Age. Not just Hezbollah, the whole country of Lebanon, right? And the leader of Hezbollah came out and he said, uh, yeah, well, you too will be returned to the Stone Age. <laughs> it literally is like, I'm rubber and you are glue. Epic insult. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we rated you E on our terrorist tier list. And uh, probably what we'll see people in the most in arms about i mean we already see it in uh, information warfare networks but in the persian gulf three thousand marines are being sent to uh secure u.s oil <laughs> uh, we don't know what exactly they're going to do there's been talks that they're going to be being put on these ships but the pentagon hasn't specified yet 
but the IRGC is not only seizing ships, they're threatening neighboring countries in the area. It's just a series of weird expansions that we've seen the IRGC do, including Hezbollah being linked to narco groups in South America, where obviously uh, everyone is drumming up narco wars with Mexico, but narco violence has been increasing throughout most recently with the presidential assassination in Ecuador. Yeah. On August 9th, presidential candidate Fernando Villavincencio, who was well known for criticizing uh, organized crime and corruption in the government, was shot right outside a campaign rally in the country's capital of Quito. There was also nine other people wounded in the attack. And the gunman who carried out the attack uh, later died in police custody. A week before his murder, uh, Via Vincencio had accused the head of a notorious organized crime outfit there, the Los Choneros. He accused their leader, Adolfo Fito Macias, of threatening him and his campaign staff. And so recently, because of those threats, Fito has been uh, transferred to a maximum security prison following the assassination of presidential candidate Via Vincencio where I assume he'll be taken in for further questioning and things of that nature. Now, as far as arrests go, the police have not said who they think is behind the murder, but they arrested six men. And the only information they provided about these six is that they are of Colombian nationality. But as far as, you know, you were talking about sort of quote unquote, like information warfare earlier, literally hours after the assassination of, of candidate Via Vincencio, a video started circulating online where in which a bunch of masked men with guns throwing up like a, like a wolf sign with their hand claiming to be the members of a Los, of the Los Lobos, what is a drug trafficking gang. And they basically in this video, they were claiming to take credit for the assassination of Via Vincencio. Now, what later happened is that another video had circulated online of plainclothes men who were not masked. Uh, saying that this was outright denying the claim, saying that they were members of the Los Lobos gang and that they hadn't carried out the assassination and that that video that had been released earlier was someone trying to frame them. Now, as as I mentioned earlier, President, uh, presidential candidate Via Vincencio had been uh, threatened by Los Choneros. Him and his campaign staff have been threatened by the Los Choneros gang in the past. And what you need to know is that Basically, Los Lobos is a splinter of Los Choneros. Los Choneros is, is, a, is a pretty old narco gang in Ecuador that, that goes back to the 90s. And they've kind of emerged more so as a prison gang ever since they, for the last like decade or so now, where they can sort of take their operations within prison and on the streets at the same time. Los Lobos emerged when a prominent leader of the Los Choneros gang had been assassinated very recently, by the way. This was in the year 2020. The Los Lobos, among some other groups, had seen an opportunity in the prison. They saw like the Los Choneros as being a weakened group. And they basically decided that they would they would take them out and that they would kind of start a fierce gang rivalry with them. And this kind of transitions into a situation that Ecuador has been seeing for the last couple of years now. Since 2021, the prison violence in Ecuador has escalated a lot. Since the year 2021, we're talking about 420 people have been killed in Ecuador's prisons with the most recent flare ups around last month where 
back on July 25th, President Guillermo Lasso of Ecuador had um, declared a state of emergency in the country's prisons due to the deteriorating security situation. You know, at least 31 people have been killed in the prisons. They believe at least 90 guards are being held hostage within the prisons and they're attempting to retake control. Mind you, back in July, a mayor in the city of Manta had been killed while inspecting a public works project. And then recently, a politician in a rural area of the country was killed just yesterday. Um, uh, the front runner in the election in Ecuador, which is set to take place on August 20th, Luisa Gonzalez tweeted that Ecuador is currently experiencing its bloodiest era. Both she and her now deceased colleague were part of the party that Via Vincencio had been critical of in the past. This is kind of believed that there, there's some due to just kind of the way gang operations and like a lot of peace deals are taking place in places like Colombia between prominent trafficking groups and things of that nature is that they're looking into basically expanding their network through Ecuador. And as a result, things seem to have ramped up over there. Last month, there was like a state of emergency declared in three coastal provinces in the country. And these are believed to be like prominent drug trafficking hubs because of the ports. Uh, that's about all I have time for. Here's Jack with China. So China, uh, more accurately north to west Beijing in the mountainous areas, have been hit by devastating rainfall spurred on by a typhoon that came through and hit, uh, hit land. The resulting rain uh, basically flooded all of Beijing. Uh, the Forbidden City was underwater. Uh, Tiananmen Square was underwater. And then um, to prevent most of the other flooding, Beijing, which is not the only city north uh, nation that does this, but they redirect floodwaters into uh, less populated areas to do whatever reason. But they, notoriously, China doesn't warn people when they do this. They've done it multiple different times where they have redirected floodwaters and cleared out an entire village. It happened again. Granted, people did get out, but basically everything that I've seen about the survivors that talked to the survivors of this town that got flooded have said that there was next to no warning. The, the water went from uh, outside raising through the streets rising through the streets and then it was knee deep then it was head deep and then it was uh to the roof and if you had two stories up into the second story so the flooding was allegedly about 23 feet in this town i believe as well as about uh, knee to waist deep throughout beijing before it started uh dissipating uh it collapsed fifty nine thousand homes it damaged almost 150,000 others. 15,000 hectares of crop and farmland has been destroyed. As a result, China is worried that there are going to be uh, crop diseases coming through because of all this water and uh, how damp everything is. It could impact everything from rice to soybeans. So that's kind of interesting as well. Uh, on top of all of that... There was money allocated to reconstructing bridges and water infrastructure, understandably, but we are yet to hear any uh, figures on how much is going to actually compensate these people that ha whose houses were destroyed by uh, Beijing's diverted floodwaters. Um, that's another thing that the residents are apparently pretty angry about. 
So the city or Beijing itself has released official death tolls, which numbers 33 with about 18 missing. Um, we already know about China's tendency to underreport. So on top of this, the number of houses, the number of bridges, which I don't think I mentioned, which there are about 100 bridges that were taken out, possibly more, um, during these floodwaters, which is doesn't look very good on China's record when it comes to their Belt and Road Initiative and their infrastructure projects that they're trying to spread throughout the world, which is possibly one reason that they could be covering it all up because they don't want people to see the extent of the damage on top of the fact that buildings are falling on top of little girls' heads. Buildings are falling off and killing people in the street. Don't you think it's funny that they're calling these cities that were supposed to prevent floodwater sponge cities? It kind of like, <laughs> there are, they already call the buildings tofu that are falling on people. And now they're building <laughs> yeah, sponges. sponge cities. <laughs> that is very funny. Turns out they failed. I mean, it, I, honestly, they would have more success if they built the buildings out of actual sponges at this point. <laughs> I think they would. <laughs> okay, so that's about all for underreported headlines. Get to our interview that everyone has probably skipped to anyway. So O9A, Order of the Nine Angles, also extremely underreported. And as much as he doesn't want to admit it, Jake is an expert in this. Uh, I did a lot of research into him when I first discovered them. And all the... Uh, scrapped archives and stuff that i found of their groups there's so many of them just molding over him saying certain things and it's really really funny so he's got a lot of even personal stories with interactions of these people hell even i do uh here's a interview about some cringe satanists that might be declared terrorists soon we have a weapon more powerful than the british empire and that weapon is our refusal to bow to any order but our own any institution but our own My name is Jake Hanrahan. I'm a independent uh, journalist and documentary filmmaker, uh, generally focused on conflict and underground activity. A few months ago, we did an episode here, and it was the first time I came across this group. Um, and even at the time, we were reading the name wrong, calling it Order of Nine Angels. And yeah, like, a lot of people do that, yeah. I, and so I, I started looking into them, and I found like a cache. Um, I'm not, I'm going to. So, and then I was just like seeing that they wouldn't stop talking about you in so many things. And yeah. then I like quickly realized that you're like the expert on these guys. I don't know about expert, but I've definitely been looking into them for a very long time, um, about a decade now. I would say, I, I feel like I I've got a good understanding of what they're about. Of course, they will tell you like, oh, he hasn't got a clue. He's got it all wrong, but you know, that's, that's kind of how they operate. Um, they really kind of pride themselves on like, deception and pretending they're about something else and i mean what they'll say publicly is completely different to what they say privately so but uh, yeah i think i've got a good grasp on uh, who they are so it's the, it's the typical fascist group um thing that they do where it's all facade and then behind the scenes it's completely different yeah i mean it's not completely different behind the scenes it's just more in terms of I mean, I've been in some private chats. I mean, obviously, they didn't know I was there, but I've been in some private kind of chats and I've seen some internal stuff and, you know, they believe similar stuff to what it is they kind of put out there. But in recent years, they've been trying to 
act like they're a different organization, everybody's got it wrong, it's been misinterpreted. The main reason is because several governments have been looking into possibly prescribing older Afghan angles as a terrorist organization because of the various murders under their belts and political violence that they promote. So now they're trying to backtrack, which is ironic because they're completely going against their own ethos. They're acting like cowards um, by doing this, really. But, you know, David Meyer is, I think, a little bit worried he might end up in prison or, or something like that. Real, real quick, just like to kind of give some background to whoever may not know, but what is the order of nine angles? Who is David Myatt, or does he go by Anton Long? I'm not really sure. He has many pseudonyms. Um, so order of nine angles is a esoteric occult ideology order, if you like, and it's based on Satanism, but it's different. It's not, you know, like. Levain Satism, it's kind of like cringy atheism, like they don't actually believe in some devil. Whereas on and they do, they believe in dark gods, demons. It's that they wouldn't say it's demons, but just, you know, to give the layman an idea of what this kind of thing is. And essentially they believe in almost embracing the taboos of normal society in a bid to evolve into this sort of evolved being, this more evil, more what they see as powerful. I mean, they see like madness and hate and and going against all morals as a good thing because it makes you more powerful. And through their various gnosis and teachings, you can achieve this kind of higher status of being. You can essentially evolve into a new type of person and then, you know, eventually open up the dark gates to the other dimensions and all of this madness. There's a lot to it, but that's the kind of long and short of it um and within this ideology they have very strongly embraced fascism you know national socialism pedophilia uh disgusting things and the idea is that well those things are taboo and the 09a is above normal society above the normies um if you like so much so that they will embrace pedophilia which is just disgusting beyond words they now backtrack and they say they never endorsed paedophilia. Um, mountains of evidence that they did in their own writings. They literally uh, put it out there. One of the main O9A writings from the beginning was this very grim fictional fantasy, I believe written by David Meyer. We'll get to him in a minute. But it was this fantasy about a teacher who basically groomed uh, a 14-year-old girl, a student of his, and... It really goes into detail on why the younger girl is desirable and anyone that thinks that's not true is lying to themselves. Like, very disgusting. Anyway, and they've always embraced uh, neo-Nazism. They even say that, oh, well, we don't actually embrace Nazism as an ideology. Uh, it's for kind of um, symbolic purposes, which is bullshit when you realize that they use a specific dating system um, which starts from Hitler's birthday. <laughs> so, you know, when you bring that up to them, they, they go like quiet. Um, and the reason that they embrace neo-Nazism is because the founder, David Meyer, is a lifelong British neo-Nazi. He was very involved in political far-right violence in Britain in uh, the 80s and the 90s. And 
he also then he then went to got into Islam. He became like a radical uh, jihadist, and then he turned and formed again and went into this order of nine angles stuff. And he made up this whole mythos of where the order of nine angles came from. There was a man called Anton Long who was an occultist. Anton Long is the pseudonym of David Meyer. And there was the Anton Long found it from this old lady that in Shropshire, in Shropshire she she had, uh, what was it, Camlad. She had like these other, she brought all these other occult orders into one thing and created the Order of Nine Angles and passed it on to Anton Long. Now, there's no evidence whatsoever that this woman ever existed. A lot of the... The mythos and the ideology, not the ideology, sorry, the um, the kind of myth making, the, the kind of uh, the law, if you like, of the Order of Nine Angles is, is quite heavily lifted from Wicca. And even some of it seems to be like <laughs> like a ripoff of, uh, of uh, H.P. Lovecraft. So there's a lot to it. Huh? Warhammer? Warhammer, I don't know, man. I don't know much about the Warhammer. Oh, that's just like the whole Imperium thing, you know, that they believe they're going to colonize the stars. That's all I right. know. Right, yes, yes. What I feel is between me and God. It's nothing to be made public. It is a private matter. She, too, is now gone into the black that gnaws at your astral bones. How many people in the organization actually believe that, like, Anton Long is, like, a different person and this lady existed? Like, how much belief is actually there? Or are they just all like LARPing and pretending? I mean, it's it's not necessarily, I mean, one thing that is honest that they say, it's not necessarily an organization in the way of you sign up and you're a member. It's an ideology that you become an adherent of, right? Which they would argue then means that they can never be held responsible for anything, which is ridiculous. I mean, you know, neo-Nazism is an ideology uh, a political one, if someone commits violence in the act of neo-Nazism, they're still a neo-Nazi. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and that's even more broad than what the Order of Nine Angles is. The Order of Nine Angles is very specifically niche and a lot, hell of a lot smaller than that ideology. So the idea that they can't be held responsible, considering that people conduct violent acts based off of their very teachings, that is human sacrifice. That's a part of what they believe in. It's just nonsense, and they know it is, but they think it's very clever to play these games and tie people up in knots. And I, to be honest, I, I'm I'm kind of guilty of getting into these debates with them a little bit and, like, showing them evidence, showing them evidence, like, why what I'm saying is right, why it's very clear that they're lying. And that's kind of what they want you to do. They're tying you up in knots. They're taking time away from you rather than you doing what you should be doing. So they like to have these debates on the internet, um, which is very funny that... You know, an order that sees itself above what they call Magian society as that those people that they see themselves as so elite that they would then spend a lot of time arguing with people on Twitter. It's just hilarious. Uh, David Meyer has a pseudonym on Twitter, Thormind. Um, we know now definitely that that's associated with him. And yeah, all he does all day, it's I call it the bat signal. You know, if you if you just mention him within usually 12 hours, Thormund will be there with a retort. And he, it's really funny because he started, I was working with a lad actually recently, um, a former member who really, really turned like actually against them, realized, you know, he, he was very young. He grew up, he realized like this is madness. 
and we together we did like some really good research none of it's really come out yet i'm, I'm working on something very big for it maybe we'll see if that happens but i'm very busy but anyway so we realized that thormund was uploading documents to like these hosting websites and then citing them in his arguments like 10 minutes later <laughs> so he'd be like here's this 09a paper that says this or or this you know like this this goes against what you said and then you would find out he'd literally just uploaded it you know it's very funny and then when you point that out he'd he just always have a reason to you never you can never pin him down you could pin him down but he would always be like ah that's not true and it was just, I realized, I was like, right, this guy isn't actually trying to defend himself. He's trying to tie us up in knots to maybe distract us from what we actually should be doing, which is gathering this work and whatever. Um, so, yeah, so that's the long and short of it. And then that ideology, for years, it was it was kind of a joke. You know, it was it was often known as the, the order of no members for a while in, in satanic left-hand parts. I heard they had, like, only, like, 12 members worldwide when, for a while. Mm. I, I mean, like I say... Members is a loose term, but in terms of like active adherence for the sake of argument, you could say members. Um, I certainly was more than that, but it was not a lot. You know, now it's 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 never been so big, which is ironic because they're now pushing this narrative that Order of Nine Angles is dead. It's it's died out. And, and that's, again, because of this possible ban and they're worried about it. Um, but, yeah, they've never been so active. They've had so many members uh, in the last like eight years. I believe there's. I think a dozen murders associated or directly carried out by 09A adherence. In Russia, there was, I think, four, uh, a couple murdered four people in a open out and out human sacrifice. And they were allegedly um, formed an 09A Nexian, which is what they would call a cell. I guess, you know, a provincial church, if you like, if you were looking at it in terms of like, I don't know, traditional religious, religious uh, categorization. And so they have these cells, these Nexians, and yeah, this Russia one, um, this couple got arrested uh, for drug dealing and out of the blue, they were like, you know what, um, we want to confess, we've killed people. <laughs> and then they were like, yeah, we did it, we're Satanists, we did it as um, a part of a human sacrifice. And then when the, the, the Russian police went to the spot where they said, they were like, yeah, they found the bone, so it was true. Um, and yeah, so they, they killed, they killed, they actually did human sacrifices. There was a guy in Canada, he did a like a prayer an 09a altar uh uploaded it to youtube and it went out and murdered somebody atom often division the neo-nazi militant group in the us who have like five murders under their belt at least three of those the people that did them were 09a adherence or 09a curious um yeah there's uh, there's two incidents of that we know of of like serious organized violence that didn't go through but was planned to go through in the us military Recently, Ethan Melzer, uh, he planned to murder his whole platoon in what would be essentially an 09A offering, if you like, like a mass sacrifice. Uh, he was stationed in Turkey and he was talking to Al-Qaeda people, trying to basically get them to ambush his position, his base with all his people as a part of an 09A thing. Just like madness. Are most of these murders, are they typically the human sacrifice variety of it or is it like just this is the thing we don't know but when when people think of human sacrifice they picture some kind of ritual in the woods in a big ceremony and whatever that's not necessarily what orana does how they do their human sacrifices they even say in some of their texts try and make it look like an accident try not to get caught if you get caught you've failed you've failed your 
your mission, you know, uh, which is part of this, it's like evolutionary praxis for the Oran A, it's called the Sevenfold Way. And it's like, this is what you have to do to kind of rise up the ideological ranks. And one of those things to get to a certain, I think it's an adept, I think it's called, to get to that stage, you have to go out and kill someone as a, as a like sacrifice. But they obviously, you know, not everyone has the capacity to kill or whatever. So they kind of make it uh, easier for people and will be like, oh, um, you can ruin someone's life like kill them like that theoretically so you know it started off where it had to be like a murder and then it became like um you know oh well you can just ruin someone's life if you want um but yeah you know they, they say like make it an accident make it look like that so you don't know they could have pushed someone off a bridge and been like yeah all right i killed I, you know i killed someone and that's the idea the idea is that if they commit these human sacrifices it must be of like what they consider weaker people um, they prey on the weak, you know, they're very, they're kind of very cowardly in that, in that regard, you know, they're, I mean, the ideology is like very dark, militant bullying, you know what I mean? It's not like they're, they're not like they act elite, but I, well, I guess as elite people kind of do, they're usually cowardly in, in their way, like they want to, they would rather like, like, you know, like someone, I mean, they want to murder me, I've seen loads and say they want to murder me, it's like, you're meant to be a militant, satanic order who is above all of society and you're now focused on trying to, you want to kill a journalist. Like you don't sound very militant in that regard to me. Like that doesn't sound like something a serious group wants to do. If you're apparently above like Magian discourse, yet you're so bothered by little idiot like me, you know, it's, 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 and it's not just me, it's loads of other people. It's very like, it's, it's very petty. It gets into like very pettiness. So it's really weird. There's a real, contradiction with what they put out there in in their in their teachings to their adherents versus the way they act publicly um i mean thorman's you know acts like a petulant child it's it's you know if you if you use like if you say oh fuck off he takes that he's like oh um what's his favorite word, favorite phrase uh oh yeah he's like ad hominem attack it's like you're a grown adult like <laughs> come on like engage properly you know um so yeah it's, it's like a headmaster type of vibe so they're really in this weird space where they bend their ideologies, they bend their rules, they bend their their message to whichever way suits them. So a murder, I mean, okay, some ONA people you have gone and done a murder, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a murder murder to cull, if you like, you know. So I don't know, it's a it's a it's a grey area for them. Uh, but I think that's only because of there was there probably just there was for years for decades no one really did as far as we know like an own name murder however there is some interested information and some rumors and some possible truths i'm not sure you haven't fully looked into it that Mayat was linked to a murder in shropshire where he, he lives years and years and years ago um and i spoke to another like journalist that looks into these there's a lot of nutty journalists that are looking into on and they're just full of nonsense there's this one guy that firstly he believes in the smiley face killers which is a complete fucking nonsense and then he thinks that it's on and a behind it. he's a nice enough guy but it's, it's ridiculous so yeah it's very interesting um we we didn't mention uh, temple of blood which is one of the main most more militant um nexians that sprung up in the u.s i believe around 2006 is the earliest inkling we've seen of them in the internal documents oh no, no i will say it was a lot later than that but we found internal documents i believe i posted online so yeah 
there's a there's a, a lot of nastiness to it. How do people get into this thing? Like how how do uh, how do the kids fall into this path? Um, just mostly 99% of it is online indoctrination and not necessarily someone indoctrinating them, just self-indoctrination, uh, similar to how most of the younger boys and girls get into neo-Nazism and extremist accelerationism, ultra sadist channels. It's all out there in the milieu. To begin with, I first discovered it in about 2011, I think I first ever came across it. Yeah, I would have been about, I would have been 21. Uh, yeah, maybe a bit earlier than that, maybe 20, 2010. Anyway, I discovered it on Tumblr. I've always been obsessed with cults. I've always been obsessed with like esoteric stuff, um, occultism. Really, really find it interesting. I, to be honest, outside of like war and conflict, which I cover a lot for my work, I'd say like occultism is like one of my main interests in regards to like just, in, you know, just... It's just so fascinating what people will believe in, what they won't believe in, what they'll do in the name of this kind of lost knowledge. And I think that so many people through history have practiced it and passed it along is is really interesting. Um, and a lot of bad stuff has, has come from it and a lot of good stuff as well, I'm sure. But I, I don't know. I'm just fascinated with it. So I was just on like, you know, and I've always been an Internet kid. I was a very online kid. I was on all the message boards as soon as I was about 10 years old, you know, and I just kind of one night was looking through Tumblr. Back then, Tumblr wasn't censored and it wasn't full of like, well, it's full of lunatics, but in a more interesting way, it wasn't all political. And I was like, you know, I'm bored. I'm going to look on Tumblr and find some freaks. And I was on some like Satanism rabbit hole and I just saw some argument with like Order of Nine Angles. And I was like, what is that? And I just found a Tumblr blog that was like about it. And I was like, wow, like that is really odd. And the difference with them was that they had original material, not just ideologies and scriptures, but they had videos where there were on a chants that were recorded in God knows where. It sounds like they're recorded in a church. And, you know, they had their own, their own mythos. They had their own words. They had pages, like stacks and stacks and stacks of PDFs. And I was like, wow, like no one person could have put all this together just out of their mind in two days on their own. This is actually a thing. And even then, it wasn't so much of a thing, but it was a very, there was a lot of dedicated people, uh, a lot in Eastern Europe, actually. And yeah, and I, I just realized like out of all these kind of edgy satanic groups, not to say it's a good thing, but I was like, oh, no, they are the ones that are like at least really about it. They're actually doing stuff. They're actually dedicated. They actually have a a real crux to what they're doing even though you know a lot of it was stolen and plagiarized at least it was there it was real i've always with my work and my life i guess been fascinated with real real people that step over the line whether it's for good or bad they step over the line and do rather than theorizing and da da da, da. not not to say i'm glad that anyone steps over the line often it's a very terrible thing i just mean professionally and i guess interest wise it's interesting to be like, wow, like they actually did this. They actually went and did that, which is in this day and age, especially to actually do anything other than chat is uh, is a big deal. So that that's why I guess I was drawn to it in that sense. And when I really started reading about it, I was like, this is this is disgusting. Like this is hideous stuff, you know, like really dark stuff. And what they kind of fermented then over the over a decade that I've been looking into them now, actually, it's what they started then, where it's at now. Or maybe like two, three years ago, but where it, where it's, what it's become is what they always wanted it to become, and maybe not one hundred percent 
how it is, but it's where it's 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 on course. Put it that way. They'll act like it's not. They never meant it to be like this, or this isn't the real R9A. This is exactly what they wanted. This is what they've preached from the start. Now we're seeing R9A. We saw R9A influence neo-Nazi groups. We saw R9A then influence neo-Nazi militant groups. And now it's this, what I call like ultra sadism. It's stepped into this new grounds of what is loosely connected internet groups that are obsessed with just sadism in the most disgusting way. And a lot of them will take on 09A iconography um, because that is like the most extreme of the extreme. Um, and that's where it's at right now. Uh, I wanted to get into the whole dueling culture and how they've actually, David has challenged you to a duel because that's a mm. great story that I read. Yeah, um, I can't remember fully how it went. I'd have to check my notes. Hey. Yeah, well, they, that's what I was reading is they have a huge dueling culture and they want to challenge people to they duel don't. all they the They don't. They've never, not one of them has ever done Oh, I know. Of course they don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, not, not a real proper one. Well, basically, David Meyer has this thing where he'll, he'll challenge journalists to a duel like with guns and armed duel. And it's a way for him to be like, hey, I'm not scared. I know you are scared. And it's a way for, like he challenged Nick Lowell's to a duel. It's like, bro, come on. Like, what are you talking about? Nick Lowell's not going to duel you. Like any sane person is not going to do that. And it's, it's a way that he kind of tries to intimidate people. I think we were having this argument about, with one of his many pseudonyms, about like dishonor and stuff like that. And I was like, well, you're hiding behind anonymous pseudonyms. You're lying all the time. You're not sticking to what you put out there into the world. You're scared that the government's going to designate you. You're not living with this so-called honor of your convictions that you've been pushing for so long. So then he got into this debate about honor. And I mean, look, whether they like me or not, they think I'm an asshole. Sure, like I kind of am. But at least I'm not like full of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm pretty much saying what I'm doing. So I think that was the argument. And he didn't like that. And then he, this, this, I'd have to check the notes. I have, I have it all written down somewhere, but this debate of the dueling came up and I said, all right, I'll duel him then. Fuck it. Tell him I want the duel. And it got so far that um, they sent me up with this like funny, like, you know, like one time email account. And they were like, David's, you know, David's agreed or, or whatever. You need to provide your own firearms. I was like, I live in England, like the nanny state of the world. Like, we, you know, you can't even leave your house with a bread knife um, or a butter knife. And I was like, obviously I'm not going to like, you know, risk losing a shotgun license or something to like then go and do a criminal act <laughs> to appease some like old fella who wants to duel me you know what i mean so i just said no i don't i don't have firearms you're gonna have to bring the firearms um and then it just never went anywhere he never got back to me but um i thought that was like a very funny incident and i'm writing this whole chapter for my next book about all right i'm definitely gonna uh, include it because it's just such a funny anecdote i would love to have met up with i would have met him man i mean fuck what's he gonna do shoot me maybe but it would be worth the risk, I think, just because, I don't know, man, you get killed by, like, 09A, like, it's a pretty funny story, <laughs> you know, it's, like, a pretty funny way to go out, like, I think, so, not that it's I want to die, legacy. Anything, but I was, like, I was like, fuck it, like, let's try it, let's see how far we can go, you know, we'll go down there, um, and I said, look, you can do it all, and I've offered him several times, I said, look, we can do a whole interview, you can control everything. You can film the whole thing, record the whole thing. You can do it so I can't twist your words. You can release it, whatever. Nope, he don't want it. So all this honor that he talks about, it vanishes as soon as you kind of try and bring up a real conversation with them. And I think, to be honest, that's just part of their game. You know, they. I mean, it's foolish of me to think that they would have some kind of honor when they're going about this stuff because that's just not their MO. You know, I'm a major and I'm a 
I'm like a worm to them. You know, I'm a journalist. I'm a, I'm a piece of shit. So it's it's understandable why they wouldn't treat me with any respect or honor. I get it, but it's just I don't know. It makes for a funny anecdote, right? But the dueling thing is just something that David Meyer is obsessed with, which, funnily enough, Anton Long is also obsessed with. Um, but they're not the same person, honest. So it's it's uh yeah, it's just like a. It, this shit is amazing. If I ever get rich, I'll make a like fictional film about it. It'd be the best thing ever. It'd be so funny. What's the John Travolta movie that's really bad? It's about Scientology. Battlefield Earth? Is that what that is? is oh that shit! Called? You know, yeah. like that type of movie. I think it's that mm -hmm. one. I want to make a full doc about like O Nine A, but it's uh, it is serious. You know, like I get like there's I get the funny side to it. I even find it funny. Like even the guys that um, the Empire never ended. I get why they cover it in a really funny way, you know, and they're, they're mocking it the whole time. I, yeah, totally. I get it. it. makes sense. But there is, um, I try not to come at it from that. You know, I try and come at it a little bit different. Try and not not have any respect for them. I have no respect for ONA, but I try and at least have a human connection, interaction with them because ultimately they want to kill people, <laughs> you know, and that's not funny. And they want to kill people based on just shutting down their freedoms of who they are. So that's really bad. And yeah, so I find it interesting. And also like, it's it's a deeply complicated and interesting ideology, you know, other than the evil disgustingness of it, if you can just put that aside for a moment, it's very interesting, you know, it's very advanced in terms of its, in terms of its foundation. You know, it's not, there is some thought put into it. And I don't think always kind of just sneering at it, it, it helps, you know, it's like, it's like you get this thing where leftists will always, if there's a fascist that's a good writer, they'll be like, he's a shit writer. Well, he might be a good writer. <laughs> Just because you don't like what he's saying doesn't then remove the fact that he's a good writer. You know what I'm saying? Not that I'm saying anyone at ONA is a good writer. The, the text is, is just appallingly written. Like, it, it's ridiculous. It's like the most purple, uh, elitist prose you've ever read. But my point is, it's like you have to at least engage with some elements of the seriousness of it and the bits that are well done because those are the bits that draw people in that then become involved in it and then ruin someone else's lives or their own. So I think laughing at it all the time is not always helpful. You know what I'm saying? Do you think they try to actually put, like, you know, if they want people almost to laugh at it because then people won't take them seriously? No, no, they take themselves extremely seriously, okay. which is very funny. I, I've seen okay. some very, like, yeah, very kind of, uh, like, upper echelon internal documents, uh, internal uh, chats, old ones from them, and they really take themselves seriously, which is even funnier, you know? John read me a, a page of the, what was the book? We were just uh, working on camera, right? And we were looking at the, the what was it? The Alan Shooter, the guy who shot at the mall. He had a whole manifesto mm. online. So I was reading some of his stuff and just talking about how poorly written it was. And then I pulled up the uh, the Temple of Bloods book, which we wanted to get into anyway, the Iron Gates. Iron and I was Gates, just like yeah. highlighting certain things on the first page. That's just, you know, you've, you've read hilarious. it. You know what it says on the first page. Yeah, about killing the baby, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's so badly written. And again, that's not me being like, oh, fascists are rubbish at everything. Some Nazis are great at writing, I'm sure, but um, this guy sucks. And like, yeah, Joshua Sutter, we think wrote that, the head of Temple of Blood, um, also FBI snitch informant. Um, and it's just very, very funny. Like, it's yeah, it's written to the point where you're like, wow, this is really so like. I heard someone saying like, oh, it's so evil, like it's so disturbing, I can't read it. I was like, man, like every time it gets disturbed, it becomes hilarious because it, like you'll be, you'll be reading it like, oh man, this is fucking dark. 
and then it would just drop the stupidest line ever, <laughs> and then it makes me laugh. So I find it quite easy to get through the bad bits, you know, because there was like kind of uh, unintended comedic relief throughout. I mean, he's not like the worst writer ever. It's just the fact that he thinks he's so good. He writes in a way where he thinks it's so important and good what he's writing. And it's just silliness. It's like, uh, you know, it's like writing a fucking like horror uh, assignment. Uh, if you're like an emo in high school, you know. Just given how like kind of broad, weird and esoteric their ideas are. How often do you think like sometimes people may not who are involved with the group don't like fully understand what they're interacting with. You, if, if you understand where I'm coming from there, it's kind of like, they don't, they don't like get the full extent of what these people like want them to do or what it is. It's a good question. I think it's in a lot of cases with anything as extreme and complicated as this, it's quite easy to, you know, see one part and, and then think it's something and then it's not the other and that. But I think with ONA, it's quite clear cut. You know, some of their earliest writings promote human sacrifice. I think if you're down with human sacrifice, you're you're, right. you're pretty much <laughs> over the line already. You know, so I think with them, because of that from the start, because they did that because they wanted to separate themselves from the kind of cheesy movie style Levian type Satanism. They wanted to, but no, we're like really evil. We believe in real evil. We believe it's a force to propel oneself into a higher being. Therefore, murder is a good thing to do against weak people. Like if anything, it's a, it's a benefit for us as a whole because you're you're not like killing someone. They see it as like you're enriching the world. Almost like religion. eugenics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost actually, like yeah, in a exactly. eugenic kind of way, yeah. Absolutely in a eugenics yeah. way. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's again, yeah, like, I don't want to, you're right. I'm intellectualizing it a bit. You're right. It's like, it's basically lifted from like eugenics. <laughs> yeah. Which is no surprise. Right, yeah. to, like, the, you know, the founder is a, is a, is a neo-Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of weird, like, I don't know. Black metal. It's, it's, it's like a lot of black metal shit. I feel like, I don't know. It's kind of a weird way to put it, but yeah. No, it is. And there, there's like quite a few like um, underground black metal bands throughout the years that were associated with O9A. In fact, there's one I believe was in Norway and the lead singer or the lead guitarist or something killed himself. And by all accounts, uh, the suicide note, he killed himself as a sacrifice to O9A. It's not very well documented, actually, but... Um, guy I was working with on this showed it to me and I, I was very scared I was like nah man come on get the fuck out of here and when you looked into it, it was like oh no shit like this is legit he, he he even wrote a phrase that essentially said like I've given myself to you know the dark gods but that's how it is so yeah it's, it's serious you know and, but yeah no definitely there's a lot of like national socialist black metal scene get into on a um soul there's actually like a musician soul evil He's been a long-standing O9A there, and he even uses like the logo on his uh, on his albums and shit. Whether he does that just because he's edgy, I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure it's quite legit. Because I remember I I ordered this like mail order magazine about O9A ten years ago from Finland, and you had to send like ten euros in an envelope and to, to some random address, some PO box. And I was like, I'm never getting this fucking magazine, and they sent it. And I remember there was a profile of him in there and there and um. And yeah, and like the Atom Waffen guys, like the main guys, John Cameron Denton, um, the other guys, his uh, pseudonym was uh, uh, Chimera. These these people were National Socialist black metal people, you know, before they were Atom Waffen, and they were 09A before they were Atom Waffen. They picked up through that scene. So it definitely has a, 
if you're into NSBM, it's very serious in, in there, like evil stuff, you know, like there's a real, it's a real hardcore subculture, actually. Obviously, I don't like it, but it, it is interesting. It's one of those, like, it has to be really hardcore. So through that, these people seek out like the dark stuff, for example, you know, Wagner Kenneth and their, you know, mayhem and burning down right. the uh, churches. You know, there's there's an element of that. Uh, the Onana is, is garnered attention and, and respect in those circles for a, a good good two, three decades. All this connection to Nazi stuff and obviously the the Nazi proper from like World War Two. How much is lifted from like Norse mythology in O9A? Not a lot. Not a lot. They're Interesting. less they're less into that shit and more into old school British esotericism, which is in my opinion a world of its own. I think it's quite separate from like that Norse stuff. Um Britain has a, a, I mean, we don't get taught about it at all here. You have to really search out for it. But we have a very amazingly interesting kind of epicenter of esoteric culture, occult orders, occult underground groups. We have so much of it here. There's so many weird sites, paganism, you know, paganism. Like there are, there are small parts of England where you'll go to the village you know, and everyone there is, you know, like 99% of them are Catholic, but 100% of them are pagan. <laughs> do you know, do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's it's like this um, underlying thing that has always been there. I mean, even like Morris dancing, you know, traditional old school British stuff. And I'm talking, not talking British Empire, not talking British royal family, not Brit- like real indigenous. And I'm not saying that in a right wing way at all. I fucking hate all that stuff. What I mean is like before the state came and took it over, before the royal family coming monarchy started like becoming the most popular thing, locally, weird, esoteric, strange traditions were the norm here, especially with pagan type stuff. So I think like a lot of that is still under the surface, not so much, but there are places when you go up north, you'll see it and it's fucking weird, man. And super interesting, you know, real, real wicker man type shit, you know? And um, so I think, I think, uh, Oh, no, no, is more inspired by that already existing traditional British esoteric occult culture as opposed to Norse mythology. How much Norse mythology has then influenced, you know, before influenced the British part of that? I don't know. I don't, I think it's quite separate, but um, yeah. Yeah, the, the whole thing, point you made about how it's quite separate, like that's when we started looking into them, like I'm so used to that Norse mythology shit, you know? And I came across this and I'm like, this is something really different, which is why I like started diving down and reading into them because it was so interesting and different. Um, so as far as their terrorist uh, association, have they actually succeeded in any terrorist attacks? Because it seems like everyone I've heard about, they actually got foiled. Yeah, I mean, there's no like planned multi-group 09a member bombing or stuff like that it's i mean to be honest that that style of militancy is is kind of not dying out but it's not the norm anymore i don't feel it's it's lone wolf shit you know it's strange little guys planning stuff in their bedrooms it's very hard to stop siege culture mentality essentially but with an esoteric occult that's one of the things you wanted to get into is siege culture too as well yeah but you just said it Siege and O'Reilly have kind of gone hand in hand in terms of they're both like the most extreme of the extreme, or at least were when they kind of were popping out. There's more extreme stuff out there now. And 
it's more than just surface level. It's more than just like, oh, Siege was edgy. Oh, no, no, he was edgy. It made sense. Actually, James Mason has a long-standing connection with occultism and weird... Mm, I don't know. James Mason like, is, is also a convicted pedophile as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a big thing that is... I mean, honestly, like, it's almost a meme at this point, but the, the pedo element, like, they all have it in common. Um, for example, James Mason used to hang out with, like, Boyd Rice. You know, he, he's a pedophile. He, I think he, uh, he married a 13-year-old girl. Um, they were hanging out with, what was his name, Moynihan. I think he was a, he would like, abuse his daughter or something. Um, or maybe it was the other guy. I don't know. Anyway, all these Nazi fucking pedos linked. But uh, James Mason has uh, links to Charles Manson. Um, and that's why Charles Manson became, like, another kind of figurehead within uh, Atomwaffen division. And at one point, the leader of Atomwaffen, the, the second leader after Brandon Russell was put into prison, uh, John Cameron Denton, uh, alias R word, I'll say, because you're on YouTube. Um, he he uh, he said at one point in the internal chats that we were hold of that he felt that Mace, um, Charles Manson was above Hitler in terms of uh, intellect and you know who he wants to follow so they already had that esoteric leanings and weird other dark ideologies and the two just went quick like that and i believe that john cameron dent and i think and them guys introduced james mason to order of nine angles there's some weird group now called like the national socialist order of nine angles which mason is apparently a part of uh i'm not so sure apparently mason has dementia anyway so i don't think he knows what the hell he's doing right now anyway I think he's probably had dementia his whole fucking life, but um, he apparently actually has dementia, dementia now. So, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of crossover, but long story short is James Mason, who wrote Siege, has long been interested in esoteric, dark ideologies. Like, universal order is like this ideology that Manson had, and that's what Siege culture... See, Okay, the National Socialists, but they're, they're universal order people you know and that's like this almost this different elevated national socialist ideology and yeah it's all amalgamated into this weird dark syrup of just fuckery really it's horrible <laughs> but it's interesting you know a lot of people they might struggle to wrap their heads around the idea of just kind of national socialists white nationalism white supremacy all blending around like these kind of like weird esoteric occultish ideas how how would you maybe like try and ease that into someone who's watching this and, and may not quite quite get why those things can coexist that's a good question i mean national socialism has always been tied up in various strange esoteric ideas right especially with Himmler. Himmler was very interested in this idea that there were other secret histories to the world, other secret powers. That's why they went looking for various ancient artifacts around the world that they believed could give them power. Some alleged it was like they were looking for the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the spear that apparently killed Jesus was something they went looking for. So I think, you know, Nazism as a concept has always been tied to some level of we're above everyone else. We're not just like, we're not just like the others, you know, i.e. that's why fucking white supremacy was a part of it. And they want to be above everybody. They want to be so elite. 
And it's like they always had to have this search for a reason somewhere else that they came from, something more mystical, something more powerful that others don't know about. If you have something that you know about that's powerful and it's a secret, that's an elitist path to go, right? Nazism is extremely elitist, you know, they, they think that they're above everybody else in the world, so much so that they want to murder people that don't agree with them or not even the same genetic makeup as them, which is absurd, but it's the kind of ultimate elitist ideology in a way, if you think of it like that. I'm so above everyone else, I should be able to literally kill someone I've never met based purely on the circumstances of how they were born. So if you if you consider that, and then consider that, okay, esotericism and occultism can offer someone that path who believes in that, i.e., oh yeah, you can follow this like super elite secret ideology, secret teachings, and that will elevate you mentally and physically. It just makes sense that someone that is so inclined to believe that they're so above everybody else would then go for that, you know? I think it's quite, it sounds weird, but it's quite simple, really. I guess to word it more simply, Nazis think that they're elite and above everybody else and occultism offers them something to learn that is in its essence secret and hidden and if they have this hidden knowledge they then think that they're above everybody else <laughs> so the two go together and i'm not saying that all occultists think they're above everybody else definitely not i'm just saying that that's the way the nazis bent the rules for themselves or at least bent it for their own means I mean, the most well-known, like, Nazi symbol, the swastika, was appropriated from somewhere else. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's how they are, you know? They're just like, well, we can steal whatever the fuck we want because we're the best. So that's how they think. So, yeah. Um, speaking about symbols, I wanted to ask about their symbol and, like, what what even is the Order of Nine Angles? I mean, it's just like an edgy sigil, right? <laughs> like That's what um, I thought. That's what I thought yeah, this I mean, whole time. There is a reason, there is a reason they give for the nine angles and I've forgotten it, but it is actually pretty like explanatory, like it kind of makes sense. I don't know, I forget it exactly, but it's, I think it's like the different angles to their, their ideas, like the aonic, the acausal, the causal, which are all these like different layers and facets to what they believe. Like, what is it? The causal being like here and now and the acausal being like the spiritual and Aeonic times is all this other shit, you know, it, it links to the like, like all the connected ideas of theirs, if you like, you know what I'm saying? Um, it, it looks crazy, though, like it's really difficult to draw. I've tried to draw it loads of times. Um, it's very difficult. <laughs> like, yeah. So they apparently um, tell people to like infiltrate like protest groups and stuff like that. Do you think that actually happens or that's just something that they say? Mm -mm. No, that definitely happens. It's what they call an insight role. And they teach that people should infiltrate a group that's almost completely different. Well, not necessarily always different. Like, like infiltrate a group with, like, quite strong morals or ideas or ideologies and, tr and infiltrate it. But, you, you know, you have to do it very secretly and you still have to be yourself. And it's not always as a means to, like, recruit anybody. It's as a means to strengthen their ideology and their will, I guess, and learn from the other people, you know, cherry pick what they can from them for their own uh, ideas. And the idea is if you can spend like, I don't know, 12 months embedded in a group that is that has other ideas and you can pretend to take on their ideas while still holding on to your real secret beliefs, 
I guess that will strengthen your real beliefs, right? Because um, a lot of people sway with the wind, you know. There's I've seen Nazis that were once Antifa, Antifa that were once Nazis, anarchists that become communists, communists that become anarchists. You know, not, not, not saying it's like, oh, yeah, you're not allowed to have like a different idea or change your ideas. I'm just saying like, some people will be very, very impressionable and they'll find something else and they'll then become that instead of just, you know, being interested in it. So I guess their idea is that if you can then go into these groups, I still remain this 098 there and you're really hardcore, you know, and you've gone up a level into, I forget what it is, once you've done the insight role, you become some some other level, you know, like level two or whatever the fuck. Like Initiate um, and then Adept and then I, like, uh, Headmaster and Immortal. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, all this bullshit. Um, and, yeah, so they do that, but then that has definitely been a thing. I mean, I, I, I do wonder if, Actually, no, not David. I don't think David might becoming uh, Muslim and then jihadist has was a was a insight role, but I think that's maybe where he got the ideas from. Um, I know there have been very. I mean, you know, this guy Ethan Melzer, the owner and a guy that wanted to blow up his whole unit in uh, in the U.S. military, he was saying that his U.S. military role was an insight role. Right? He he didn't really believe in America. He hated America. But it taught him how to use guns. It taught him stuff for Day of the Rope and all that bullshit. And it also allowed him to kind of have this secret identity. Um, and I guess for them, it's kind of fun. They're kind of live action role playing as like a secret agent in some way. You know, like, haha, they, they all think I'm really a Muslim, but actually I'm a weird satanic Nazi and whatever, you know. So it's a, it's a weird one. A lot of them go and do uh, is, Islamic... Um, insight roles because they quite like Islam, you know, they, they quite in favor of extreme Islam, I should say. They like that side of it. They're not necessarily even, a, you know, they don't really have a problem with Muslims as such. They're more against like Judeo-Christianity. That's their real issue. There's a guy right now in, uh, is he in Serbia? I think he's in Serbia. Or is he in Montenegro? I can't remember. Anyway, this guy. There, was, a, there was an infamous cell in Montenegro, so. Yeah. It's him, yeah, the bone noors. So he right now is quite clearly doing an insight role in the Orthodox Church. Um, it's all been exposed, and the Orthodox Church were like, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> you know, they, I don't know, maybe he just explains them, like, this is nonsense. And they were like, oh, fine. But, um, yeah, like, in my opinion, he's quite clearly doing an insight role. I think he's even said as much, you know. His wife, who is also on an A, was, a, was, I believe, like a politician or an assistant to the politician. So I think... The insight role, though, is a little less straightforward than they make out. I think, for example, if you're a politician, I don't think you go, right, I'm on an A, I'm going to become a politician for the insight role. I think probably you're already interested in that. You become that. And when people ask what you believe in, you don't go, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a, I'm a fascist Satanist. You just go, oh, yeah, I don't know, I'm a Christian, right? Then they can say, well, that's my insight role. You know, I think it's, uh, it's a bit of both. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't think it's necessarily that simple. Is there any subversive aspect to it? Like, is it sort of they infiltrate to subvert, take what they like, yeah. and then leave it ruined? I mean, yeah, no, they say that sometimes, but I've not seen much evidence they have subverted. I mean, how is one person going to, like, subvert Islam? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? Oh, no, no, you're going to bring down Islam. Like, I don't think so. I'm sure they have in some ways of, like, maybe they've brought people from that into O98. Um, that's quite possible. Um, and the same with on the Christian side of it or whatever. But I think it's more of for their own person. They, they can subvert it in that they learn these things from that side. And 
they can steal or use their teachings from them and then you know then they have uh they have it in their back pocket like hi you guys taught us um and yeah and, and we don't really believe it but i don't really think there's much i mean well i mean to be honest atom often was maybe a good example because Denton and Chimera, they they joined and they were O9A and they very quickly introduced O9A literature. Like it got really weird, like very quickly, as soon as uh, Denton took over, the the canon of what you have to read, the reading material to be in O9A, to be in Atomwaffen, suddenly O9A literature started coming up. And I couldn't believe it because I'd known what this was for years and I was investigating Atomwaffen and all of a sudden this O9A stuff started coming in. I couldn't believe it. It was like, wow, like... It's like someone made the story for me. <laughs> you know, I was like, is this a simulation? Um, so it was very interesting to see that. And I think they did try and subvert Atom Waffen because they certainly, a lot of people left when that stuff came into it. And they mm. were very much trying to turn it into this more sinister side of things. So yeah, I think that's actually probably one of the main examples of subversion of a group. But at the same time, those people were also neo-Nazis. I think they just wanted to turn Atom Waffen into a 09A Nazi group rather than just standard. And it all ties uh, into the accelerationist theories as well. On the same topic, um, obviously, because they're fascists, they have to deny the Holocaust. So, um, like, the paradox with fascists of denying the Holocaust, even though that seems like what they want anyway, I don't, I've never understood why fascists don't just embrace that the Holocaust happened. I think most do these days. I mean, I think it depends what kind of fascism you're talking about. The ones that try and be a little bit more... Like, uh, like, let's let's give an example. So, the Atomwaffen point of view, generally, from the few members I saw talking about it on the Discord, was, yeah, it happened. We're glad it happened, but it wasn't as many as they said. They said it was this much so they could get sympathy, but actually, it was only one hundred sixty thousand or whatever. As if that wasn't bad enough. <laughs> like, as if that would be okay. And their argument is, well, yeah, it it happened, but not how. Uh, Jewish community makes out it was less but we wish it was more you know what I mean that that's the generally the gist I got um that's similar actually a very similar way to a lot of like ultra nationalist Turkish people the way they see the Armenian genocide I remember when I was in Turkey an actual um Turkish police officer said to me one time he was like oh I, I heard you were posting about Armenia and the genocide it wasn't a genocide but I wish it was you know so it's that very similar ideology to that, from what I've understood, and that's like accelerationist thought. That's very much kind of part of part of it now. It's moved past. Like I tell people, like Stormfront. It's not Stormfront days anymore. It's not that no more. That was like the next step up from the old Nazism, and now it's something completely different. All right. So let's get into wrap up questions. Anyone yeah. have anything that they want to last minute things they want to get in here? Maybe something that was asked earlier that you didn't get a chance to and we moved topics or anything like that. And then, uh, so I wanted to get into a little bit of the, um, the, oh, we talked about this. We talked about the music, didn't we? I had that in my notes. Um, Well, just, uh, actually, just, just actually, a fun one here. What do you think the uh, the likelihood of them being designated 
Oh, well, we lost him. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Jack. Go ahead, Jack. Um, has it... Because obviously it's it's sort of white nationalist, neo-Nazi, Aryan sort of stuff. Has it transcended that? Or is it just sort of Western, white culture sort of centric? Yeah, it's definitely transcended that. I mean, there's many... There's not many, but there's definitely a significant number of... Uh, own and adherents who aren't white that's for sure and i don't i don't really know why people find that that shocking you know um people seem to but i don't think that's that shocking at all i mean even the nazis had allies with people of other races right um i think white supremacy is it's not different i'm not saying that obviously obviously like nazis were very were white supremacists but I think the way that a lot of white supremacy is understood is a little bit cartoonish to what is actually being said. So, yeah, these white supremacists, yes, they think they're the best race on earth. They think everyone else is shit. But they kind of want everybody to live in their own lands. You know, a lot of white supremacists don't want to then go to Africa and kill everyone in Africa. They don't want to then go to, uh, I don't know, Pakistan and kill everyone in Pakistan. They just want them to stay there and they don't want anyone to come to their lands and all this bullshit, you know, like it's... It's, it's a grotesque ideology, but it's not as clear cut as like, yeah, we want to kill everybody. It just isn't. And I, and I think that's why it's not that surprising then that there would be other races within a, a militant extremist fascist organization. I mean, plenty of different races can be fascist, right? Fascism in itself doesn't necessarily mean white supremacist. I, I mean, with the age of the internet and Twitter discourse, you can't really even, you're not even allowed to say something like that. But there's plenty of fascist organizations and people that are of completely different races um you know fascism in itself doesn't mean white supremacy necessarily um i would argue of course white supremacy is of a fascist ideology but you can have one without the other you definitely can um there are i mean i'm not even gonna get into <laughs> into it i don't know it, it's it's never really been something that's unusual until now, according to people, you know, there have long been South American Nazi groups. Um, there are Indonesian. A lot Nazi of, groups. a lot of those, uh, South American Nazi groups went to Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of Brazilian Nazis, fascists. It's just, that's you know, exactly, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a global concept and it's a concept of, um, power and destroying the weak and, forcing everybody to believe what you believe and that is in my opinion for them more powerful than the racial aspects of it certainly within 09a certainly in your everyday discourse they're racist racist language all of the time but their more broader goal is uniting fascist groups to then destroy everyone else i'm sure if the fascists got their way and all the other groups that they dislike are wiped out, then they would then turn it into more racial, I'm certain. Like, you know, if all the fascist groups in the world united, wiped everybody out, like us that don't want fascism, and then wiped out all these other people, I'm sure then when it was like, right, who else can we war with? The whites would start fighting with the others and yeah. all of this nonsense, I'm sure. But for the moment, you know, I've seen it a lot. There are big coalitions of, um, you know, fascist groups that other of different races and you've got to remember as well some of these races feel that they're white for example mm -hmm. um like a, there's a georgian neo-nazi hooligan firm not one of them looks white and they're like they're spraying white boys on the walls and white skinheads and it's like bro like what <laughs> like you know what i mean yeah like, 
Uh, like yeah, I think it's more of an identity, life. you know. Huh? It's more of an identity. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you get the very, you get like an Iranian fascist who's like, oh, I'm an, I'm a, I'm an Aryan, and you know, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, Aryan doesn't just mean what people, uh, I think, think it means sometimes. And whilst all of this is fucking awful and disgusting, I think you still have to understand that because they understand that, you know, or at least they, they play these semantics. I really dislike when people like, what's, oh, who cares? That's just like them trying to intellectualize it. Okay, but. That's how they get brought into these things. That's what they talk about. That's what they believe. So you have to understand it. You can't just say, well, this person is a Nazi. They might be a fascist, but without being a Nazi. They might be a Francoist. They might be, you know you know what I mean? Like mm. other various levels of fascism. Yes. And if you don't understand that, you'll never be able to work out who's working with who. If you want to truly stop these people, then you have to understand the intricacies that they live by, I think. And yes. I don't think it's worth just saying, oh, who cares? They all they all believe in some fascist thing. Yeah, they do, but there's there's layers to it. And if you choose to be ignorant of that, they will run rings around you. Or at least you, your your research efforts won't be as was useful. Yeah, and, and like we mentioned the the Alan Texas shooter the um earlier, and that was a perfect example of it. We went through it and people are like, Oh, he can't be a neo Nazi, he's he's Mexican. Well it's ridiculous and absolutely ridiculous. such an ignorant you know, this is where identity politics will lead you to it will lead you to the most ridiculous basic understandings of the world to the point where you'll literally go he can't be a nazi because he's not white like it's that pathetic and so hollow that's what identity politics will lead you to and we're seeing it in real time now where liberals heads are popping because they can't understand that someone who's mexican could be a nazi whilst he my I had had two SS fucking bolts tattooed on his arm or chest or whatever. Like, I just want to be clear that, that that he's in the UK. So when he says liberals, it means conservatives. Uh, no, I mean liberals. <laughs> oh, just liberals in general. Okay. No, that's that's in a, that's about. in Australia. Oh, no, no, that that's in Australia where the liberals. That's right. Are you call it, what do you call it? What is your conservative? Oh, they're the Tories, the Tories. right? Mm. Yeah, My but bad. the Tories are the Tory party. I mean, conservatism, conservatism is still like uh, an ideology here. But um, yeah, generally, if you're conservative, you're a Tory. But I mean, like liberals in, in Britain are like very similar ideologically. They just hold a more uh, outwardly moral kind of place yeah. for themselves. But often they'll believe in very, very similar things, um, unfortunately. Uh, not that I really, I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't really give a shit, but I don't really care about no. all that party politics. I think, you know, England is kind of doomed anyway. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's my point. Like, it's been a really interesting thing to see the way that, like, kind of neo-lib ideology, or at least what, what, what I, f I find it really funny when people call it rad libs, because there's a lot of that about people that are like, hey, Cav, I'm an anarchist, but also I vote Hillary. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, these very, like, confused people, I think, the idea, uh, or, you know, they make their politics up via Twitter. I think that identity politics has really helped fascists to go under the radar or, or muddy the waters. Because, like I said, you get this nonsense where people are like, oh, well, a Mexican can't be a Nazi because he's not white. It's just so ridiculous. And if you're yeah. of that idea... It's going to be very hard for you to keep track of real Nazis, right? Like, it's going to be difficult. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, I think oh no, and I kind of play on that as much as anybody else would in those horrible circles. I guess my point is, I'm not on my soapbox. My point really is that 
we have to understand them as much as they understand themselves. You're talking about fascists that will spend 12 hours a day learning the intricacies of their hateful ideology so that they can feel above everybody else and plot their plans to kill or destroy or bomb or just indoctrinate other people into this violent, horrible, racist ideology. And if you just simply want to go, oh, yeah, well, they're all the same because that makes me feel better to say on Twitter. You're not really helping, man. <laughs> you know, you're not really helping. You got to understand their shit as much as they do, which is why I've spent so long trying to understand what Order of Nine Angles actually believes. And I've come to the conclusion that a lot of them don't really know. They don't really know. I don't even fully believe David Meyer fully understands the intricacies of what he's created. Um, he's interested in a lot of very old school, like Greek uh, mythos. And I really, I don't, a lot of it is contradictory to what he's put out there. And I, I fully don't believe that they fully understand it, but they understand enough of it that they'll kill for it. You know, not all of them, but some of them. I'd say less than 1% are, are actually going to commit the murders. But if that means one person dies, I mean, it's bad enough, right? Yeah. Ace, before, you, before, before we let you go, Ace, let's get Ace's question in. Yeah, what do you think is the likelihood that O9A or any similar groups get designated as a terror org in the US or Europe? That's a great question. Very unlikely. Very, very unlikely. Very unlikely? Okay. Very. Yeah. yeah, I mean, firstly, they haven't... If they do a bombing, they're designated tomorrow. Um, or if they're caught planning to kill, like, a British politician, they'll be designated tomorrow. But that, that level of stuff hasn't really happened. They don't have big gatherings. Um, I'm talking from the British perspective anyway. Um, and they haven't, they haven't like threatened the establishment so much as like, for example, National Action or Sonnen Creek Division, the kind of spiritual UK out and off and sell. Um, they literally made some graphics threatening to shoot uh, Harry, the prince. Um, so that is why they kind of got designated. Also, they were abusing young girls. That was like a big part of what they did online, grooming girls, most of them were pedophiles. Two of them were in an insight role in a, in a, in a mosque. Um, I was actually reading their chats in real time when that was happening. And one of them especially was like in an insight role, at like a, a mosque where, you know, there's some pretty extreme people there, which unfortunately that's the case at some mosques in Britain. Um, and they were basically like turning into a jihadi. And then when he went to prison, he came out, he's like, yeah, I'm not 09A, I'm not a Nazi anymore, I'm actual, I'm a jihadi, like I'm an extremist. He didn't say that, he said like, I'm an, you know, I believe in like very extreme uh, Islamic ideas. So I think until they're more, more homogenized as a group as such, um, it's just never gonna happen. The thing is like, they're now at this point where like, you know, they're doing this scramble online, they're deleting loads of stuff. I mean, I don't know why we've, we've, we've long long documented it all we scraped all their shit so we still have it like people i work with still have it but they're deleting all their shit and they're trying to come up with this new idea like oh no we're not we're not really this we're not really that and that is to kind of they i think because they think they're smarter than everybody Myatt thinks he's the Myatt's ego is what is built on and he thinks he's so unbelievably clever that he really believes his like sneakiness online can like override due process and law you know like it's very weird he's an old fellow though i don't think he fully understands how the internet works he's like 72 fucking loser on the internet like that every day but um i like him on the internet but uh yeah so i think that 
what they're doing now, like they think it's going to help them. But I, I don't think they even need to, man. Like the British government would have done it. But that said, all it takes is one like oh no no there and one lone wolf to go and do like a mass shooting or an attack or plant a bomb or whatever, and they'll be designated, you know. So, but it's a trickier thing to designate, and I think that's the the point, you know. That's the point of oh no no. It's made to be tricky like that. Uh, giving might... giving themselves like plausible deniability in a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to be honest, anyone that does ten minutes research, the plausibility gets less and less and less. However, I think what ONI probably also realizes that, um, you know, the British justice system is, is kind of a joke in a lot of ways. And, you know, they don't always bring in the right evidence and stuff like that. I remember keeping track of the, um, the trial of uh, the, the leader of Sonnenkrieg. And, yeah, he got sent to prison. But I know for a fact, well, I don't know, but I, I'm 99% sure that the police had like this mountain of evidence that could have done him for other crimes as well um that they just didn't bother to like bring out you know so for whatever reason i don't know but you know the british justice system's kind of messed i mean it's more based on points on like how many police like how many people the police can prosecute for like basic fist fights um versus real shit i mean you know if you're a pedophile in britain you can literally like do the most disgusting things to a child and be out of prison in like three years um, you know, you get the same for stealing a car, you know, <laughs> so it's a, it's a very Sounds weird like Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Like Australia is like very, um, Australia is very, um, very similar in that regard to, um, yeah, like the authoritarian nature, but I think you guys are a little bit more corrupt than us, or at least our corruption is like hidden a little bit more, Maybe. but yeah. So anyway, my point being, I think it would be very difficult for the law to actually designate them. Um, and I don't know if I don't know if they want to because again it would make everybody scramble, wouldn't it? You know, it would make I mean already people oh nine people are scrambling. But then there's another theory I was talking to a friend about where oh nine have had this kind of thing within their literature where they vanish and refresh every however many years. And maybe that's what's happening now. You know, maybe they're doing that. Maybe this is actually nothing to do with the uh well, maybe it is something to do with the possible banning, but maybe it's just coincided nicely for them to go, right, let's vanish again. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe, I mean, you know, they've, they've reaped what they've sowed. You know, they sowed ideas of uh, promoting violent paedophilia. And now that violent paedophiles are openly O9A a lot online, there's many, 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 many cases now now they're like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, like it's all getting on top of it. So maybe that's why they want to vanish a bit till the heat comes off them. I don't know. But again, to answer your question, I doubt it very much. Maybe in Australia. I know that like Australia is a bit more interested in doing that to them. Um, but I don't think in England. Okay. Well, I don't think we have any more questions. You've given us uh, more time than you said. So we appreciate right, well, it. Yeah. I'm going to leave now. Anyway. We'll so thank you very much for your time. I hope that was good.